It's good to see all of you this morning. And uh, we're going to look today at a couple of passages of Scripture that are going to accent a theme about an attitude that God calls each one of us to as Christians, an attitude that will be transformative not only in the lives of others, but in the lives of ourselves. Peter, in his first epistle to that church that is in the face of persecution in a very real way, as he encourages uh, the church in the face of difficult circumstances, says these words in chapter 4 of 1 Peter, beginning about verse 7 down to about verse 9. He says this. He says, listen, folks. He says, be clear-minded, be self-controlled, so that you may pray. Above all, love one another deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. And then he says this. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Another related passage I call attention today to is over in Luke chapter 10. We'll make reference to this a couple of times in our sermon. As we remember that story of Jesus and his encounter with Mary and Martha, Luke chapter 10, about verse 38, as we recount that story, Jesus and his disciples were on their way, came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. And then the Lord says, Martha, Martha. You're worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it, is, and it will not be taken away from her. Did you hear about the preacher who uh, decided at the beginning of a year that he was going to say to his congregation, you know, this year I'm going to purpose to visit in each one of your homes this year and have lunch or supper around your table. And he told that to the congregation about the beginning of the year and began to work his way through the congregation as the year went on. He'd been at the church for a while, so he was a little bit up in years, and there was a young couple who maybe hadn't been at the church quite so long, who it came their turn to invite the pastor into their house for lunch. And so they invited him over for, church, for lunch on one Sunday after church. And while they were in the kitchen preparing the meal, and there was a young child there named Johnny, and Johnny was probably five years old or so. And the minister asked little Johnny, he says, well, well what are we having for lunch today? And little Johnny looked up with a perfectly big smile and said, we're having goat today. Goat. The preacher said, goat, are you sure about that, young man? And very prideful and proud, the little young man said, Johnny said, yes, sir, because I heard my daddy saying to mama, today is just as good as any day to have that old goat over for lunch, okay? <laughs> well, you know what? That wasn't a very hospitable 
attitude that they had there. In the past 50 years or so of society, we've seen tremendous technological advances, haven't we? Haven't we? Uh, that have made life a lot easier. Can you imagine when we used to try to take road trips and find our way places with a map book? Remember that? But now we don't do that. We just get out our phones and it tells us how to get there. It talks to us. We can now cook about any kind of meal in just a matter of minutes because of the marble of microwaves. We can travel hundreds and, or thousands of miles, perhaps, in just one day. We can enjoy air-conditioned comfort in our homes and in our cars. Remember when we didn't have air conditioning in our homes or in our cars? We have instant access, instant access to information and entertainment. Life seemingly is easier and better than ever. And we should, people as a whole, should be enjoying it and be more fulfilled than ever. But we see signs that that's not true. Because in the face of such a technologically advanced society, we see an awful lot of folks, a prevalent spirit of loneliness, feeling alone, feeling left out, feeling disconnected, even though we have these Cyber friends, they're not real friends. And that's a, that's a real problem. That's a real problem, particularly with our, our younger folks that Garrett and Schuyler are going to be ministering to. The idea of a lack of relationship, the demands of life that we have, these devices that we have that, that provide a lot of access and information, but also a lot of demands on us. The phone's ringing. We're getting messages and texts and emails. It's hard to go off and take a break from work because it's with us all the time. Some of the conveniences that we have that saved us a lot, of, a lot of time to get ready to sit down and eat with family and friends, but those conveniences perhaps have deprived us of something vital to our development and our existence and our health. William Willimon tells the story of a Sunday school teacher who was showing her children's class the famous old picture of Jesus standing at the door knocking. She asked the kids in the class, what's happening in this picture? A child raised his hand and said, Jesus is trying to get in the house. Another child said, I can tell that the family's home. I see some lights on, but I bet they won't come to the door. Because you see, in my family, when we're watching TV or on the computer and somebody rings the doorbell, we just act like we don't hear it. A third child joined in the conversation in Sunday school saying, poor Jesus, I don't think he'll get in either. Today, Jesus stands knocking at the door of my heart and your heart. And he wants to tell us someday, something today, about one of the most powerful tools of evangelism and Christian witness that the early church had and a tool that's readily available for us today. And that's the tool of Christian hospitality, an attitude of hospitality. Peter reminds us 
to be hospitable to others without grumbling or complaining. We see that principle acted out as Jesus interacts with Mary and Martha and tries to show the importance of time with him. What exactly is hospitality? What is a hospitable attitude? The idea, the Greek word tells us, is related to the Greek word philia, meaning brotherly love. In the New Testament, this word is used to denote not only love to others in the church, but also those who are strangers to us that we're getting to know. It's not just something that's expressed by bringing someone into our home or sitting down around a table with a meal with them. No, it's an attitude that can be shown in any gathering we find ourselves in. Yes, even one like this today. When we think about the story of Martha and Mary who opened their home to Jesus and probably his entourage of disciples, well, surely she knew of the strong tradition of hospitality that had been seen throughout the Old Testament. Do you remember? Abraham entertained strangers unaware, and they were angels. Moses found welcome in the tents of Rebel as a refugee. Nehemiah regularly hosted 150 travelers. The law in Leviticus 19 encouraged kindness to strangers and others. Certainly Martha would be cognizant of these things and, and thrilled and honored to host Jesus and, and, and others, but she would also have sensed that it was her duty from what she knew from the Old Testament writings. As we look into the New Testament, what does it say? Jesus certainly demonstrated hospitality in the feeding of the 5,000 and then later another 4,000. The parable of the Good Samaritan clearly teaches us to love and care for those that perhaps we don't know well. Jesus calls us to love our neighbors as ourselves. The tragedy of, of this culture we live in is that nowadays we hardly know our neighbors, a lot of us. I know I'm in that case, and that's a bad thing. When we think about Romans chapter 12, verse 13, the Apostle Paul says, contribute to the needs of the saints, be given to hospitality. Literally, the Greek says there, to pursue, to chase hospitality. 1 Timothy 3, chapter verse 2, and, and Titus verse 1, verse 8, tells us that a, a qualification of an elder in the church is the practice of, an attitude of hospitality. Hospitality. Jesus and the apostles relied on hospitality as they traveled from place to place. The early church, the gospel was preached in towns and cities around the world in large part because of believers who would welcome these preachers into their towns. Some of you sitting in the audience today remember fondly the days of revivals when preachers would come in and preach at your church. And you know that many times that preacher would be staying in the home of someone there in the church, not in a hotel. And many nights of the week, there would be a designated place for him to go with his family to have dinner that night. Hospitality. 
Clearly, we've seen that the Word of God teaches us to be hospitable people. It's an expectation of God's people. We're called to love our neighbors. Those are around us who are our neighbors. And who is our neighbor? Anyone to whom we can be a neighbor and love with the love of Jesus Christ. In this room today, as we go out from here today and encounter those who are serving us lunch and waiting our table, as we go to our jobs, as we go to activities that we participate in throughout the week, in all environments, we're given an opportunity to have the attitude of hospitality. No one should walk away or walk into this building and feel unwelcomed. All should feel that, that they matter and that it's a hospitable place and, and, and that folks here want them to be here, want to get to know them. And, and we want to be that kind of church because that's the kind of church that grows. That's the kind of church that, that authentically shows the love of Christ to those around us. Hospitality is clearly our duty from the scripture. We're, we're called and commanded to be hospitable to others. But why is it I have problems with that or you have problems with that from time to time? There are obstacles to it, obstacles to hospitality. Surely sometimes an obstacle is busyness. <laughs> Martha in our story today that, that Jesus thought, remember that Jesus encountered Mary and Martha was so busy trying to be hospitable to make sure the table was set right, to make sure all the items were on there that should be, she missed the core point of hospitality, and that is time with the guest. Time with the guest. It's people-centered. As Martha complained to Jesus that Mary was just sitting there talking to him, Jesus kind of said, Martha, Martha, calm down, calm down. He says, listen, you, you, you don't have to worry so much. You don't have to, to, to be so frenzied. Spend some time with me. Busyness is my enemy. You know, I empathize with Martha in the same way. You know, it, it, it's some, I'm the kind of person that, that's a pragmatist, and I'd rather do the work and let others do the talking sometimes, you know. But what good have I done if, I, if I'm in the kitchen cooking up 12 pans of lasagna, as I used to do as a youth pastor for kids, for a group of kids, and yet if I never talk to them, if I never know their names, if I never listen to their concerns and their problems, their problems. Hospitality, a hospitable attitude was what God calls us to. It's about priorities priorities. And sometimes when I'm in the course of our busyness and whatever, we have to prioritize what's most important. And Jesus calls me today to get beyond the busyness, to maybe turn off the phone, to set things aside, to, to, to be more centered and looking around for folks, for people who need me. Jesus told Martha that Mary truly knew what hospitality was about, not just service and food, but time with Jesus, time with other people, time with other people. There's a story told of Martin Luther. Martin Luther, the great theologian of the, uh, what we now know as the Lutheran Church. And a story is told of Martin, and it's about this. 
1517, Martin Luther's 95 Theses, which sparked the Protestant Reformation, challenging the practice of the Roman Catholic Church at that time, which were messed up. Many of Luther's books were burned as a result of him challenging the church. But despite this, a copy of Martin Luther's Table Talk was found preserved under the foundations of a German citizen's home in 1626. Table Talk was kind of a diary which contained a series of informal conversations that Luther had shared with students and colleagues and other guests in his home. Conversations about religious doctrine, history, uh, church, all different kind of things, ways of life. And, and one person has observed about Luther. Luther proved that the table is a splendid pulpit from which to teach God's truth and disciple people. If we want new Christians to grow, we need to open up our time and our space and our tables and our home and share our love and knowledge with them. That environment that we have of hospitality is the best tool that we can have to enhance a loving Christian community. A local church can become friendlier, more loving to others consistently when we open up our hearts and our homes to each other. When we come here on Wednesday night and we have fellowship meal and we sit around tables, it's an attitude that says, yes, I'm sitting here with folks that I normally sit with, but you know what? My antenna is out looking for folks who aren't included, that we want to include, and we want them to know the love of Christ. And so we have a welcoming spirit that says, come, join us, come, join us. After service today, as we conclude, and perhaps we see folks that we don't recognize them, it's a spirit that says, I'm going to go up and I'm going to say, you know, I may, I may have met you before, but I don't remember your name. Help me. Help me. And oh, yes. Now, will you come with me? We'd love for you to come to our Sunday school class. We'd love for you to come to our fish group tonight. We'd love for you to be involved in the various activities of the church. Welcome. Come. Go with us. But as we say that along the way, we're saying, tell me about you. Where are you from? A hospitable attitude is what God calls us to. Sometimes we say, well, you know, pride kind of gets in our way. You know, it's very easy. It's very easy for us, very comfortable for us to, to just hang with the same groups of people. And, and all of us are guilty of that. We're in places with folks that are like us, that have similar interests. And we have comfort and we're drawn to people and want to be with groups of folks like that. And that's not a bad thing. But Christ calls us to expand those groups to bring other folks into the groups because in doing so, we share one of the most powerful, powerful tools of evangelism and growth of the church is community, community. God calls us to do that. Hospitality is something we're called to. It's our duty. The scripture calls us to that. We have the ability to do it because there are things that we think, oh, I can't do that. But guess what? We can't do it by ourselves, perhaps, but we're not doing it by ourselves. Amen? We have the Holy Spirit that lives in our heart that empowers us and to share that good news with others. And it is a powerful thing.
the power of hospitality, a great effect on others. Acts chapter 2 tells us as a result of the early Christians and the way that they loved other people and welcomed other people and shared with other people, not only in word, but around tables and in communities and in groups and given food and given clothing and shelter and all different kind of things. As the church did that, the scripture says that the church found favor with all the people and many were saved. Simple acts of kindness, simple acts of kindness can have a great effect. Max Licato puts it this way. He says, long before the church had pulpits and baptistries, the church had kitchens and dinner tables. Even a casual reading of the New Testament unveils the house as the primary tool of the church. The primary gathering of the church was in a home. Consider the genius of God's plan. This first generation of Christians was a tinderbox of contrasting cultures and backgrounds. At least 15 different nationalities heard Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost. Did you hear that? 15 different peoples. Jews stood next to Gentiles. Men worshiped with women. Slaves and masters alike sought after Christ. People of various backgrounds and cultures. Can they get along? We wonder the same thing today. Can Hispanics live in peace with Anglo-Americans? Can Democrats find common ground with Republicans? Can a Christian family carry on a civil friendship with a Muslim couple down the street? Can divergent people get along? The early church did. Without the aid of sanctuaries, church building, clergy, seminaries, they did so through the clearest message of the cross and the simple tools of love and compassion and hospitality. Not everybody can serve in a foreign field, Max says. Lead a relief effort, volunteer at the downtown soup kitchen, but who can't be hospitable? Do we have a front door? Do we have a table? Do we have chairs? Do we have bread for meat and sandwiches? Well, congratulations, because we are qualified to serve in the most ancient of ministries, and that is the ministry of hospitality. Something happens, Max Lucado says, around a dinner table that'll never happen in a sanctuary. In a church auditorium, you see the backs of heads. Around the table, you see the expressions of faces. In the auditorium, one person speaks. Around the table, everyone has a voice. Church services are on the clock, and I'm looking at it right now. Around the table, there's time to talk. Hospitality opens the door to uncommon community. It's no accident hospitality and hospital come from the same Latin word because they both lead to the same result, healing. When you open your door to someone, you're sending the message, you matter to me and to God. You may be thinking, you're saying, come over for a visit. But what your guest hears is, I'm worth their effort. Hospitality. Powerful thing that God calls us to today, all of us. So we come to a time now when we think about hospitality, the call, the duty of it, the power that's provided for us to do that. And the challenge is, is will we do it? Will we do it? Will we do it? 
The good news is the Lord Jesus Christ is with us today, providing that power to do something that is going to have great effect on others, but also a great effect on ourselves. I conclude today with a story about a man who was in the mountains of Alaska, hoping to make it to camp before a deadly blizzard hit. He was too late. He got caught out in the elements, and the blizzard struck with such a furry that he was unable to even see a couple of feet in front of his face. The wind-blown snow and ice knocked him off his feet, and he struggled to find his way. Although he knew he was only a short distance from camp, he had lost his sense of direction, and he didn't know which way to go. Finally, in the dark of that cold night, he slumped down to a snowbank, cold, wet, totally exhausted. He could go no further, and he resigned himself that he was going to die. He was going to freeze to death. As he lay there in the snow, he thought he heard something. What was that? It was a faint cry, almost like a whimpering. And he called out and, and tried to crawl towards that sound. And sure enough, it was a little dog, a little dog that had also got caught and lost out in the storm. That little puppy had somehow been separated from its mother and was freezing to death. The man quickly grabbed the dog and began rubbing its fur, trying to keep the little puppy's blood circulating so that little dog would survive. He warmed the dog with his breath, continuing throughout the night, rubbing, blowing on him, trying to keep that little guy alive. The next day, scouts from the village found both the man and the little dog alive. They discovered that the man, by working to keep the little dog alive during the night, had kept himself alive as well, as well. At the beginning of the sermon today, I told you a story about Jesus standing at the door of our hearts, knocking. The Jesus who knocks on our door today is a Jesus who expects us, who calls us, who empowers us to be hospitable and loving to others, to friends and strangers. We can't pretend we know that. Our lights are on, and we are at home, and the only remaining question is this. Are we willing to go to the door and open it up for others?